Hello, everybody, and welcome. This is TL, and you are now on the front line. Yeah, still a stereo podcast, people. I'm glad y'all out there listening. I got something I want to talk to y'all about today. And I'm going to have to take my time with this one. I don't want to just elicit an emotional response. You know my saying. If you're looking for the news, this is not it. This is Couch Conversation with some professionals and some experts. And I'm hoping you gain something from it. Because I just asked the question. Hey, man, how y'all doing out there today? I hope everybody is doing well today. Actually, this is going to be a deep discussion today, guys. I'm not just going to come off the top of my head and just complain. Um, I actually have some things that I really want to share with you guys today. I want to talk today about a series of random events that has taken place in the nation over the past few weeks. They're not linked in any way, but they brought about an emotional response for me. These events are news related. And I know I know I say it all the time. If you're looking for the news, this is not it. And then I said, don't be emotional. I say be more informational over emotional. And here it is. I'm talking about me getting emotional. But I want you to stick with me on this one because I'm, I'm going somewhere today. The events that I'm speaking of that elicited this emotional response from me is, of course, Nick Cannon being fired for his comments, the death of Congressman Lewis, the Andrew Gillum personal update tape, Kanye West's his presidential rally, if you want to call it that operation legend, the federal troops being sent into cities that would be considered very violent cities. Like I said, these events not necessarily are linked in any way. And I just want to share with you how they actually weighed heavily on me. So what I did, of course, what I do is I, when, when something like this weighs heavy on me, I, I, I tend to talk to people. So I called my guy, a good friend of the show, Torian Richardson, who is here, by the way, to share this conversation with me about this emotional response I have. So everybody, um, welcome to the front line, a, a good friend of the show. You've, you've heard him here before, Mr. Torian Richardson. <laughs> you coming in punching, man. <laughs> Getting ready to spar it out. How y'all doing, front line? Hey, man, look, <laughs> I'm glad you're here with me, man. Look, we, I gave you a call because I, I, wanted to talk, I wanted to talk about some of these events that um, sparked this emotional response for me. Again, these, these things weren't connected whatsoever, but mm-hmm. to provide context around the conversation that we were having, I, what I did was it's, I, I shared with you these, these events, and I said I, yeah. I, I had an emotional response to some of the events. I, I posted some stuff on Facebook. I'm not, I'm not going to get into that yet, but I posted some stuff on Facebook that was definitely an emotional response because I was angered and disappointed in the things that I was seeing and the opinions that were being shared. What, what made you angry? Um, that's so some of these <laughs> you get right into I'm it you up. I'm you, up, you are you are the some of these things that made me angry were the fact that I'm, I'm, I literally I literally called you and said I the minority position sucks and I said I as a minority who also shares an opinion that most people don't agree with aka the unpopulous opinion or the minority opinion in our community when we have those opinions those unpopular opinions it's like these things that these events that come up, how can we continue to entertain or support or praise certain events or the other side of it? How can I just 
stay quiet about it. I can't stay quiet about it because the environment that we're currently in this, I mean, we're in a, we're in an environment where you should share your opinion. So when I had this conversation with you, Tori, and I said, look, man, I, I, I got some cooking and I want to take it on the front line and listeners out there. I, this, this is the lineup today. This is the conversation. I'm, I'm, I'm about to share with you what the, what the um, emotional response was and, and what my thought was about this emotional response after I, I had it. So Andrew Gillum posted his personal response. I have an unpopular opinion about Andrew Gillum. If you're here in Florida where I am, um, a lot of people love Andrew Gillum. He's a FAMU alumni. He's a, he, 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 he's well-liked. He's a clean-cut guy. And yeah. I did a show with him previously with a guy by the name of Don Miller on his show. And uh-huh. we, we did a lot of research, T. We, we found out this guy is not as clean as he was. He, he, he had a personal response about him being right. out of the limelight and him getting his alcohol addiction together, which wasn't an alcohol addiction, by the way. And he, he, okay. he just shared okay. his, his personal thoughts on where he was. And, and I just looked at it and I was like, this is a bunch of BS. I called it, I called it what it is. And that elicited, that, that was an emotional response because I, I literally called the man a if we if we would have had him as our governor, we would have had a drug addicted, identity problem, depressed guy. That's what okay. I said. And I generally say things like that for shock value, especially when it's emotional. I'm looking for a shock value. And the and I thought about it and I said the reason I, I wanted to have this this shock value is because I wanted people to respond to it. And the reason okay. why I wanted people to respond to it is because bottom line is I want to talk about it, right? How do we talk about things that get unpopular opinions or opinions that our community or people in our community doesn't necessarily share? That's what the show is about today, guys. I want to know how we talk about those things. And, and so much that I, I looked at, I talked to T and I said, T, I think we need to do a series of shows. So frontline listeners, a series of shows are about to come out. Uh, and we're going to talk about the things that no one wants to talk about. Those things that your family and friends tell you you don't talk about at work. We're about to have those uncomfortable com- conversations. I literally want to have, have one a, right now. Yeah, we, we have one right now. I, I, I literally want to have a series of shows that talk about politics, religion, finances in our black community, mental health and physical health and wellness. And then I'm going to come back and ask a, a, a very basic question, which is the question I want to ask all the listeners today. What is the black community's base? What's our center? As I, I, as I had this conversation with you, you recommended someone to join us. And sure I'm just trying to make sure the watch party is going well. So I'm, oh. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> you, He's Go setting ahead. up the watch party, y'all. I appreciate you setting yeah. up the watch. Hey, look, if y'all want to set up a watch party out there, I'd appreciate that too. Hey, I, I, I really want this to like catch fire right now. We, we, we need to start having the conversations that people are not willing to have. And those conversations are politics, religion, finances, and, um, mental and, and, and mental health and wellness. I, I've bought some, I bought some interesting people on the show. Um, Torian being one of them. Um, I've had, uh, other doctors, mental health doctors on the show, therapists on the show. And, I really want to answer this one. Every, every time I have a new guest, I'm going to ask, what is the black community's base and what is our center? That's going to be um, one of the main things that I'm going to be focusing on on the next group or series of shows. But today, okay. as I pivot early, 
<laughs> I'm just letting you know I'm pivoting early. Um, today, we have a special guest in, in our studio. Um, she can be called the body whisperer. She is, the, she is a board-certified doctor of natural medicine, a life and mental health coach, and a holistic health educator. She is the founder and chief healing officer of Radiant Health Strategies. Frontline listeners, please help me welcome Dr. Phyllis Hubbard to the front line. Hey, hey, everyone. Hey, what's <laughs> happening? You did, you did pivot early, didn't you? I did what? pivot. I, I, love, see you. I love my people. Man, look, I, I see you sitting people. there. I, I seen you there, and I was like, I can't, I can't not get her in. I know she's feeling this vibe already. I mean, we're going to go here, and I want to go here really quickly. And I, I just want to get to it early. I, I, I don't want to wait because I had it. I had this response that I knew was emotional. And that's mm. the model of the show. I said be more informational over emotional. And I don't want to have emotional responses because that's not what I teach. That's not what I preach. And that's not what I want um, the people in the community to do. Okay. I want to challenge. I want to challenge yeah. something then. <laughs> Since you're going to bring me on early in Earth thing, um, <laughs> if you have uh, an emotional response, is it a response or is it a reaction? Hmm. Okay. Because yeah. there's a difference between the two, okay? Uh, because I teach people as a holistic health person to avoid knee-jerk reactions at all cost, right? And there's mm. a specific strategy for that, right? So mm. if you have immediately an emotional reaction right mm -hmm. it's a reaction it's not a response a response is chosen and it's chosen with a level of mindfulness after you've had an opportunity to breathe and reflect okay after, so, that's my question if you're saying so that just, you know i'm just throwing it out there if you're saying that I'm, I'm just gonna have to go right away and say it was a response because i have a level of research that's dedicated to what I said and okay. why I said it. Now, was it emotional? Absolutely. It was absolutely emotional. I I, I probably, <laughs> my, my look, my wife, she looked at me and she said, Terrell, you probably shouldn't say this. TL, don't say this right now. And I go, why, <laughs> why are we continuing to not say things when we just don't, when it's just not the pop, the popular opinion, it's not the popular opinion. We, it, everybody's going to want to guard and protect their own. And that's when so, I had so that conversation with you, T. So, so let me ask you this though. But what what are you responding to? Get get into the into the meat of of what you felt when in our conversation. I don't want to say it for you. That's why I'm kind of setting you up. The okay, I was re, I was responding to the mm. fact that Andrew Gillum, a FAMU alum, the loser of the gubernatorial race in Florida, and a well liked black member of the community. I, hands down, that's what he is. And most of, I mean, most people would say an all-around good guy who's had presidential aspirations since they've known him in school. He, okay. he puts out a personal response on Facebook, YouTube, on social media. And mm -hmm. his personal mm -hmm. response was about an update where he said he was depressed. He was depressed, and his depression came off from losing, uh, lost his, his, his race uh, trying to be the governor of Florida. Right, right. Right. So I'm, I'm going to pause there because, yes, he did lose his race trying to be the governor. But the facts remain that this guy who had tons of money in his um, account. And the race was very close, closer than any race has ever been for governor. 
Um, I've been told by some experts and campaign, some campaign experts. He had $3 million in the bank when um, um, Governor Ron DeSantis had nothing. And the race okay. was so close. Some of these um, campaign runners, they flat out told me, they say he could have spent some of that money on an attitude, and that could have been the difference in him winning. So moving forward. Oh, they said spend it on his attitude, and that could have been No, no, ads, ads, ads. Like ads, running, ads. yeah. I thought you said spend it on advertising. Ad or two. That's what yeah, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> Add or two. Like, Add okay, or two. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, um, okay. Yeah, advertisement. And then he goes on, then he goes on to, to talk about his addiction and or his him being an alcoholic. And I don't know where he shows that he had an alcohol problem because – I think he was discussing when he was arrested in Miami, Florida, and the police report stated that he was found with two other gentlemen and they had meth in that room. That's not alcohol. So he's continuing to lie to us. So what so what of all those events that you articulated, uh, not trigger, I don't want to say trigger, but I guess gave you that emotional response that that sparked our conversation? Because I'm sick of people trying to protect every black person as oh. as if there are people some of these black people aren't our people i don't always okay. agree <laughs> i don't i have I, I don't always agree with everybody that we perch up that's i mean and i hate to say it this way but there's so many articles uh about john lewis people are perching him up as the one of the last leaders um, I don't necessarily, I mean, he's a leader in his own right. If being a leader means you don't have to make these amazing speeches and being a leader means calling for a sit-in, then he's a leader. But when it comes to leader gauging him against like a Martin Luther King or or a, a Malcolm X, and I and I tread lightly with this one because I'm a, I'm one of those mighty men. I'm about to pump you a little bit. Like, hold on Dude, a second. I'm a no, I'm one of those okay. mighty men of sigmas, and he is that. He's a mighty man of oh. sigma. So I I, I definitely don't want to tear down his body of work, but there's things that he's done in his in his career that wouldn't necessarily prop him up as one of those civil rights leader as they have propped him up. Same thing okay. with things about Nick Cannon. Nick Cannon, don't walk back your comments, dude. If you believe what you believe, I mean, I, I even looked at the definition of anti-Semitic, um, and the definition of anti-Semitic is flat out um, against Jewish, basically being against Jewish. And I ask myself, every time I see that definition, how is it that um, Jewish, the Jewish community has a definition that basically saying hate towards Jewish, but we've been through 400 years of being beat down through Jim Crow slavery and redlining and everything else. And we still have to have a definition of racism that includes any culture or, or um, gender. We still don't have anything directly against us. <laughs> you probably mm-hmm. want to, you probably want to look up the Merriam Webster's dictionary and find out who owns Merriam Webster. Then you'll find out why Jewish people have a Jewish definition for anti-Semitics. But so so essentially so so to encapsulate everything we talked about right so we ahead. we were talking about all these events from the week mm-hmm. and if 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 I recall our conversation correctly it was really around what happens in the black community when there's an alternative opinion yes or an alternative thought absolutely right because you felt you felt as if some of the things that you're talking about right now would be in an alternative thought as opposed to how, let's just say, the general population of those that identify as Native Black Americans would respond to Brother John Lewis's impact in the Black community, 
Nick Cannon and his comments and then the way within 12 hours that he changed those comments mm-hmm. um, where Andrew Gilliam talked about the, the, the facts of actually what happened and then the narrative that he put out there around it. So you, you're saying that you don't necessarily agree with how the, the larger community would, would or see these things. Is that correct? That is correct, sir. Okay. Okay. And, I, and that's, that's the impetus of, of this conversation with us, which and my, my, my challenge back to you is, is how do we define blackness? Oh, like there, what is it? That, dude, that's that's the first question that ele- that that came out of our conversation, um, and mm-hmm. and that's my question to Phyllis. We got the doc on the line today. That's that's my first question. And 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 guys, frontline listeners out there, if you have comments around this question, what is blackness to you? Um, definitely put your comments, share your comments. So when when that time comes where we have the conversation and we open it up to you guys, I definitely want you to engage with us, Doctor Hubbard. What is yes. blackness to you? I, I, we're, we're trying. I have to figure this yeah. out today. Maybe not today, okay. but I it, gotta try. It's too me. It no. It's you're not gonna figure it out today. You know, <laughs> we we've been through a lot, right? So uh, we're not gonna unwind all this trauma in a day, in an hour, in a few minutes, and you know, the next hundred years, maybe. Who knows? Um, blackness. I define blackness as you know being of the African diaspora. Right. So for me, the concept is very, very broad. So I'm probably in your camp of maybe not something that you agree with, but, um, you know, I'm in your camp in terms of my perspective may not be what the majority uh, of black folks believe. Um, But I very much believe it because I grew up in a very African diasporic uh, community where, you know, my stepfather was uh, um, Nigerian and, um, you know, all of the people that I grew up with were, my babysitter was East Indian and I grew up with West Indians and Jamaicans and I had a very interesting experience. In fact, I should probably share this. As a child, I would hear from Native Black Americans to coin Trabian, uh, Torian's term. <laughs> we love it on the, we love that term, term on, the, on the front line. We love right, it. Native Black American, right? Right, to coin that term, um, I would, from Native Black Americans, Americans, I would hear, don't do that because that upsets white people. Don't go there. Don't say that. Don't do this. Don't do that. I heard that all the time. But from the Jamaicans, the Caribbeans, and the Nigerians, they were like, I, expletive white people is what they would say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? They'd be like, expletive white people, okay? You know um, you can say that here. You know what? Line, it, right? look, look, well, I'm just saying. <laughs> I want sure. We're, First time on the show. Uh, but here's the thing. You know, it's like if you walk into a room, and this is what I was told by a Jamaican, if you walk into a restaurant and you notice that you're the only Black person there, make sure that you sit in the middle of the room and upset everybody, hmm. right? And if somebody white looks at you, you turn around and you look right back at them, right? Like, and I so help? I grew up with those two experiences, you know, so it was very confusing for me. Right. So just even in my own experience of so but but that's why I I say it's, you know, blackness to me is of the African diaspora. And I think that we as black native black Americans need to expand our concepts of uh, of what blackness is, because I believe that the way the majority of us think is is limited to the United States. Right. And, And that just 
that encompasses just a very small amount of, of uh, Black folks that, that are out there, right? Agreed. So. Yes, I, I 100% agree. And it's, thank you for sharing that because it, it actually ties into the point, Trey, uh, T.O., that, that we, you and I were talking about, which is like from my experience, I do identify myself as a Native Black American. So I want to be clear just for the listeners that we have right now is that I think that in my experience as a person who lived and worked throughout Africa, um, I've, I've done a little bit of work in the Caribbean and obviously here in, in the United States, is that there's a different experience for a Native Black American that was born in the United States, came up through the educational system in the United States, and also has a narrative around their existence in the United States that is not connected to any type of culture, nationalism outside of these borders. So for, I'll give you an example. So if I'm a, a Jamaican American or if I'm a Nigerian American, yes, I am American, I'm a part of the culture here, but there are also roots that I can go back to and identify with, whether it be food, moi moi, whether it be um, you know, Ooh. music that we listen to, but I love moi moi, right? So all these different <laughs> things that we can go back to, that they can go back to to say, hey, this is a part of what we're really talking about here. Because when we ask that question, what is blackness to you? What we're fundamentally talking about is, what is your identity? What do you identify with? Right. And I think one of the reasons why we have um, such a, virial, a, a visceral um, reaction to what's going on right now is because it's almost like people who have been, a lot of us who have been driving around in a highly stressful environment, and for the first time, we're able to hit that horn and people acknowledge that we're hitting the horn. But at the end of the day, we're still only making noise by hitting that horn, right? And so that's what I always challenge with us is, how do we define blackness and something that is broader than just identifying the melanin that we have in our skin? Not that that's not important, obviously that it is. I'm a chocolate brother, I get it, right? But we have to have other tools in our toolbox so that we can have a broader context in which we can show up just in, in humanity. And so when you, when you do have a critical mass of us who, who may not have some of those tools or haven't developed some of those tools, I think that's why we're getting such a um, reaction from a lot of people in the black community right now, because we, we need more hammers and tools and nails to kind of build things out, even amongst ourselves. We're not even talking about some of the external issues outside of the community. Doc, you had you men, you right. when we had our conversation, you you talked about having additional tools in your tool belt. And I just want you to chime in on that very statement that Torian just made. I, I love I'm going to veggie back on on that. And I think that it's really important to, you know, one of the things I mentioned is in every, you know, of course, I don't have any with me, but in, in every house you have, you know, a pen, you have uh, scissors, right? You have tape. Right? You have hammer and nails, and you don't use these things all the time. Maybe you use a pen all the time, right? But you're not going to use a hammer and nail every single day. But why do you have it in your house? Right? You have it in your house because at some point, you're going to have to use that hammer. You know it. You know it, right? In inherently. And so as a holistic health person, my question to the Black community right, to my people is we know that we have been marginalized. We know that we have mm -hmm. to deal with stressors yes. and systemic racism. We know it, right? 
because we know, but where's our tools, right? right? Where are our mental and emotional tools that we can pull out, right? So that we can use that and inoculate ourselves, right? And empower ourselves. How do we move forward? And we don't even think about it. When I ask this question in my presentations, no one has any uh, response, you know? And I say to people all the time, if you, you know, if you if my arm is, is weak, I have to do push-ups to make it strong, right? But then what would be the equivalent of a push-up for courage or mm. resilience, right? Mm. What is that? And, and how do we cultivate that within ourselves? So I would go, I would take the question and go a little deeper. It's not just blackness. It is identity, as Torian was saying, right? How do we tap into the truest part of ourselves? Because if you were rooted and grounded in the truest part of yourself, there's nothing anyone could say or do outside of you that would shake you. So here's- No, no one could shake your foundation. So here's a question, uh, and I want to provide just a little bit of context around this. And um, this is where I'm going to give my disclaimer, because what I'm about to say is going to sound very stereotypical. <laughs> I'm just letting you guys know. These are my opinions. This is my point of view. And shit, wait, this is a damn podcast. As I always say, it's a damn podcast. So let me just share my thoughts. Look, I'm not I'm not looking to be censored on this one. This is going to sound very stereotypical to a lot of people. But when when we when we also had a, I had a conversation with both of you guys and 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 when we were talking about um, having the unpopulous opinion and 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 asking about what our identity is, I, I I brought up look at the Asian community. They have a center. They have a base that they go back to. Whether they believe, um, whether they disagree or agree on a, a bunch of other topics, it's kind of like Asians always come back to education. Jewish people, they always come back to ownership. White people, they always come back to sovereignty. Um, um, Hispanic people, they always come back to immigration. Whether they disagree or agree on how you Im- uh, how you get over in the country, but they believe in having the ability to, to be able to do it. And then I thought about the community in which I'm from, the black community. Uh, what do we come back to? What is... What is what is our center? What is our base? And and that's where I'm going to ask the frontline listeners. Hey, guys, look, what is the black community's base? What's our center in the black community that we can come back to when we agree or disagree on a multitude of things? Um, Doc, do you have any opinions on on centering us? Well, one thing I will say right now is something that I wanted to say at the very beginning of the podcast. And I said, you know, I thought, hmm, you're going to bring me on early. I'm going to make you do an exercise. Uh, So uh, one of the ways that we center ourselves and check in with the truest part of ourselves is to deal, right, directly with ourselves through breath. And so I actually want to walk you through that exercise and then I'll go a little deeper into an answer. That Uh, makes sense? Podcast first, guys. Frontline first. Let's do it. All right. Is it the first? Oh, Oh, yeah. This is definitely a frontline first. All right. I want you to sit up straight and I want Mm -hmm. you to rock your hips from side to side so that you feel the bone under your hip. Right. Okay. You want to feel that bone. That's your sit bone. You're like, ooh, what's that? Right. Because if you're back here, you're on your tailbone. You want to be up on the sit bone. Right. That's very important because you want the spine to be erect, but not rigid. And then you pull the shoulders up, back and down and relax them there. 
And then from here, we're going to take three collective breaths together. And I invite everyone who is listening to do this now. Do we'll this take a us. breath in, pause, exhale out. Breathing only through the nose. Let's try it just through the nose this two more times. Breathe it in, pause, exhale out. One more time, take a breath in, pause, exhale out. That's nice. Good. That's real nice. Yeah. Hey, you know, right. I feel relaxed. I, I, I might be lightheaded from the breaths or something because I'm a big boy these days, man. I got to get it together. But that did, that does make me feel a little bit better. I'm, I'm not going to lie to you. Well, so I, so that's I, the reason. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. So, so my, my question or comment around that is, is that there are people right now that are saying to themselves, these people are crazy. Or let me be kidding. These, <laughs> these Negroes are crazy. Some version of that, right? And the this version, is right? this is this is what uppity bougie black folks do. Now I'm speaking what yeah. I know people are saying in here, and they're laughing right now. And I've heard that before, right? And so my my question to you, to us, to the listeners, I would love for people to chime in because I ask this question to myself: When is the pursuit of black excellence? When does it hit that tipping point of being black bougie? Because we talk about in the black community, hey, we we want to pursue, we want to do better, we want to be more centered, we want to connect to to a higher power, God, whatever noun that, that people want to attach to that. And we have this pursuit to do better, but then it seems like there's a narrative where when we do reach a certain point, or when people do reach a certain point, then they're ostracized for being in that position. And that always kind of is interesting to me because as a person who, you know, is in a healing space, as a, as a, as a native black American man that is in a healing space and has been for well over a decade, I always want to have this discussion, but I find it very difficult to have. So what, what do you all think about that, uh, Dr. Hubbard? What do you think? Ooh, how how long is this podcast? Right. I was like, we Ooh. only got an hour, T. We, I told you, this, Ooh. Too much, man. this one is going to be a, this one's okay. gonna be a series because well, that's here, true. There, there, are, there are levels of consciousness, I think, that separate us. And there are levels of colonization that separate hmm. us, right? So it's a very, very deep, deep, deep discussion that you just cracked open. So I'm going to try to hit on a couple of different points. Um, and then, you know, we can kind of decide where we want to go from there. One of the issues is that, you know, when you are trying to achieve something in your life, the people that are around you, what happens is you realize you have to change. You have to change, right? You absolutely. And I love it. Jaron, I hope I'm saying your name right. That's exactly where I was going. Crabs in the bucket, right? That's exactly where I was. Oh, my God. I'm like, all right, brother. That's what I'm saying. That's what the issue is. When you start trying to move in a certain direction, right, it's not that the people around you don't want you to succeed. It may seem that way. What's really happening is that when you change, then the person feels like they have to look at themselves and they don't want to look at themselves. Mm. And because they don't want to look at themselves, they project onto you, right? They project onto you and force you to stay in the bucket, so to speak, so that they don't have to look at themselves, right? This is a really, it's, it's a really deep level of healing that we have to do in the black community. And then the other piece that I wanna touch on very briefly is it's kind of taking it back to blackness where 
I don't think we realize, I didn't realize this until I started having conversations with all different types of Black folks, how differently we've been colonized in every single country. Every African country has been colonized differently. Uh, all so. of the Caribbean countries, they've all been colonized differently. So I'll give yeah. you just a very brief example. I talked to a man from the Dominican Republic, I believe it was, and he said that he was told his whole life that he was Indian. He was not black. Right. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's that was the narrative there. He was Indian. He was not black. So when he came to America, he was like, oh, my goodness, there's so many Indians here just like me. <laughs> so you can imagine what the response from black folks were when he rolled up and was like, oh, my God, you Indian like me. Oh, no, I'm not black. I'm Indian. You know what I mean? So it automatically caused friction because the black, the native black American had no idea that his entire existence was connected to that identity. And he had no idea what our connection to identity we, was. We, we got right? some DR people out there listening. And Will, if you out there, man, don't. I need you to comment right now because I want to know if this stuff's true. You know what, Doc? I also want to I, I, I want to talk about something that me and you spoke about, but I want to provide some context around uh, around why I came to this conversation with you. Uh, I, I read an article about Sage Steele. She's an ESPN reporter. ESPN reporter Sage Steele, um, they were getting ready to do, uh, well, ESPN was getting ready to do a, a Black Lives Matter tribute or a, a black programming. And they came to all of their, all of their black um, ESPN um, commentators to, to drive this programming. Well, a group of the commentators didn't believe Sage was black enough to be a part of the programming because she doesn't speak <laughs> to the black community. And the question that I had in my head was, look at my boy, I told y'all Will was out there. The, the um, one of the things Ooh. that, that's, 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 my, that's my Dominican guy. But, <laughs> but one of the things that it, it brought me to, to questioning is why can't in our own community, why can't we be different? And, and and still love the black community and still have a, a set of values and, and uh, opinions that make our little community diverse. And you told me something. Well, Doc told me something, and I want to bring up what she told me, um, because she she talked about Africa and she said, "How can we be from such a large country and not be diverse as a, as a people?" Well, yeah, I mean, you know, years ago I stumbled upon. Um, you know, the, the true size of Africa. And I sent you that, uh, I sent you a graphic and it, it's really powerful to see. You can take all of the countries in the world yeah. uh, and put them inside Africa and there's still more Africa. Yes. There's there still more is. Africa. Okay? I, I pulled That's it up for the people to see. That's how big Africa is. And just to give you a point of context, if you look at a typical map, Greenland looks larger than Africa, but yeah. Africa is actually 14 times larger than Greenland. Yeah. We have 54 countries in Africa and, and over 2,000 languages, right? Yeah. And so, uh, so what I shared with you is that, um, you know, I, had, I was having a conversation with these young men that were going to Africa for the first time, and they met with a man who was African who lived in in the United States, this was in Oakland. And he was talking to them and what he said is, and I thought it was so beautiful, he said, do you see how we have in America, we have 
wealthy black people, we have uh, poor black people, we have black folks that are gay and straight and gender nonconforming, we have black folks that are straight up criminals, and we have black folks that are uh, working in the community. Every kind of concept of a black person that you could categorize that you see in the United States is exactly what you're gonna see in Africa. And I thought it was just a beautiful thing to say because we have an idea of whatever it is that we think Africa is. It's like, we came from that, right? We forgot that that's where we came from. We came from a place that is so incredibly diverse. You know, a given country could have, you know, several hundred languages within the same country. Right. Yeah. So how then can we put ourselves into a bucket and say, oh, um, this is, you know, we're we're a monolith. Right. This is how we ought to define ourselves. It makes absolutely no sense. And I, I truly believe that we have not. We just don't know. We don't we don't realize we come from such greatness. Right. right. We don't realize we come from such diversity. And whenever something is taken from you and you're put in survival mode, you want to hold on to whatever you have. It's like, all I got is this little bit. So yep. I'm just going to hold on to this little bit. Right. Yep. So all I have is this little bit of identity, but I'm going to say something that is going to probably really upset people. Mm. But if you're a native black American and you're in America and you were born here and you've been here for a couple of generations, you're not a hundred percent black. Nope. No. That's how you got to become a native black American. You're about 20% <laughs> European. Oh, yeah, right? yeah. What y'all got to say about so that? So then facts, facts. Well, uh, and well, look, I, I know they're going to have something to say about that. That's why I opened the, um, I opened everybody, I opened it up for everybody to start engaging with us. And of, of course, one of my favorite um, listeners is ready to go. He got a question. Jaron. What's up? I'm going to bring you in the studio and I, I, we got to keep it quick because I want to hear more from the doc today. I know. Yes, I give you this lecture every time because you come in and you write a book for me. <laughs> so stick with us uh, on the front line. <laughs> Welcome, Jaron. Hey, what's your question or comment? Well, I don't have a question, but this time I have a comment. Also, I wanted to say RIP to John Lewis because I'm a Mason. He was a brother of mine on the square. So to the east, travel light. I see you. May you be with the Grand Architect. Um, what I did want to I did want to answer your question. Though first off, you asked what was the center of the Black community. The center of the Black community is the church. The reason I say mm. that is because we give so much money, and we get what we call sustenance. We get hope. But there's nothing that really comes. From okay, so if that. I mean, like, frontline listeners definitely chime in on that because you just you just came on the Muslim Man Show and just told me <laughs> that the center of the black community. I like to think I'm black. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Look, thank you for your comment. I appreciate it. Um, we gonna come back to you because I want to get everybody else in too. You just came on the Muslim Man Show and told me the center of the black community is the church. I would hope that it's just not the church because I'm, well, I'm well, I, I like but, to think I'm but, black as it comes. But I would, but I would say that 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 would probably be a general consensus of people who don't have a larger context, right? Um, right. Because for a lot of people, um, let's keep it one hundred. For a lot of Native Black Americans, what we had was our race, because we were persecuted because of our race for centuries, and then we had the church, which is the saving grace of our race, and even throughout slavery. This is, you know, one of the systematic things that was done to our community was 
we had a conduit to the people where the pastors kept us in control. Man, look, the pastor it, pacified us, right? Yeah. And then it it be, that became part of. It. So anyway, I know you want to get to other man, listeners, look, but we look, can't dive deep into that. Man, black people love everything. I mean, black people hate everything about slavery except the church. That, that's that's my comment about that. But we we do have another listener um, that's that wants to chime in. Um, Will you you're now on the front line? What's your question or comment? That's my that's my Dominican people, baby. Here we go. What's up, bro? <laughs> hey, what's going on? How you doing, doctor? Yeah, I just want to kind of hey. um, keep the conversation going about the Dominican Republic. You know, a lot of it starts with the education and the upbringing that we get um, when we're very young. Um, I put in the comments colorism, right? Um, growing up as yes. a kid, you know, with the black skin yes. and um, hanging out with the brothers. You know, I'm not quite black enough for them, you know, because they were like, well, why does your family speak the Guala Guala, right? They can't even respect the fact that I speak Spanish um, as if black people can't speak a different language. Right. And then, you know, on the Dominican side, you know, you have that that taught that, you know, you're not really black, you're Indian or you're not really black, you're mixed with Spanish. Um, and, you know, as if black was a bad thing. And so it really boils down to um, just the education and how you're brought up, right? And, and you know, at the end of the day, what the, the white man was able to do for, from us, right, was, you know, they were able to um, dictate the narrative, right? Because they were able to colonize all these African nations and essentially pigeonhole us or stovepipe us into these different variations, right? Quick, quick question That's why for you. I got a question for you. I got a quick question for you. So, yes, sir. I'm. I'm just. I don't want to be offensive, but would you consider yourself black? All day. I know better. So right. right. There's. There's. There's no way you can't deny that, right? Look at my skin. My skin's the same color as everybody up there on the panel, right? Um, but if you talk to some of my elder brothers and sisters, they don't consider themselves black, right? We had this conversation maybe a few weeks ago when I talked about. how Dominicans are racist to hate Haitians, right? Mm-hmm. And it's all because Haitians really identify themselves as being black, whereas Dominicans normally identify themselves with anything other than black, right? Yeah, I seen a I seen a um, Facebook it, really post of this Dominican going nuts about uh yes. <laughs> about his blackness. He's like, don't don't support black people. But Will, man, look, I appreciate you coming on the front line. Stay with us on the um, stay with us on the comments. I want to make sure we get to everybody. It's a few more people in the studio, and there's a few more comments coming in. So I appreciate it, man. Yeah, definitely. So, so real quick on that. So, because we're having two different discussions around blackness, we have blackness from a melanin standpoint, and then we have blackness from an experience standpoint. Because my question to him it would be more like toward a Candace Owens, Candace Owens or a Larry Elder, yeah. who have very different opinions on. Things should, how things should happen in the United States. Um, and I hear people name-calling, saying that their voice doesn't matter. Bootlicker. Oreos, right. you know, all these different things. And, um, and I'm not endorsing them, but I'm also not um, throwing them under the bus either. What I'm saying is, is that going back to what Dr. Hubbard said, if, if we really have the true context of where we originated from and understand the diversity and the different people that are there. We have to learn how to heal and make room for other trains of thought and different types of experiences. And what I found, at least in my own experience, because I, you know, I, I lived and worked in Africa for almost two years. So I had a chance to travel to probably over 20 different African countries and work in them and be a part of the community. It's, 
it's just as different as it is in Chicago. The difference between the South Side and the West Side and the suburbs and different suburbs. I mean, it is they're they're because they're human beings and they have difference just like everyone else. So it's hard to contextualize that one if the only information or growth that you have was fed to you, right? By 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 someone who or a system that was trying to oppress you. And then two, and this is where the personal part comes in, and this gets scratchy for a lot of us, if you're not making it a point to expand your own experiences and unlearn things and relearn things. And that's where I've met a lot of friction from people is that's my challenge, because at some point we got to say either I am subservient and I am that less than human than other people or I'm completely empowered and I'm going to find a resilience enough to challenge what's in front of me, but then grow myself as well so I can be beyond where I, where I am. And I think the latter is the best way to go, the self-sufficient route and the empowered. There's a yeah, and you know, and there's a very, very strong resistance to questioning, right? And I don't understand why. I, we really need to heal that issue. And I think that there's a very deep fear um, underneath that. You know, if you know that you know that you know and you're rooted and grounded in who you are, you're happy to learn about other opinions, right? You're happy to learn about other, I mean, so let me ask you this question. How do you know what, hot is if you've never experienced cold right how do you know i don't right? know it's imp it's impossible for you to know right so when you have an opinion of something right how do you know that you know that you know that you're rooted and grounded in that opinion right unless you've listen to something else unless you've questioned it unless you've picked it apart and thought we, through it we are absolutely right? stuck on one side of the coin and look at look at the look, there's a question or a comment coming from the audience there's, yeah, yeah big, big, go mild. mighty signal man mighty right. signal man. <laughs> there's a presumption that native black americans own their organizations um own that their own own that their organizations or, or origination Orig oh thank you they're, origination they're was was from <laughs> africa i don't believe that as well as uh, as well accepted amongst us as we might like to as we like to believe mm. I, i'm a proponent of that too yeah all of us not from africa guys yeah some of not us all of us not no. all That's everyone's true. not from yeah. africa so the whole tap two-step just don't work for everybody and and, right. and again That's true. going back to what doc said how do you know if you've never listened to anybody else, only thing you do is when you listen to somebody else and they, they spark that one thing, like when Candace Owens, we had a whole show about Candace Owens. Y'all go back to listen to that one because she said one thing about George Floyd, who was a criminal and who did this and who did that. She brought up his criminal past and it was like, oh my gosh, condemn, um, condemn Candace Owens. Well, look, there's a lot of people out there that want us to talk about the best of our community other than George Floyd. There's a ton of kids in kids that are hit by stray bullets we can use their names we can bury them in gold caskets we can have three funerals for them because they don't have a record they didn't even have a chance on earth but having that additional having that uh, having that additional opinion or listening to that other side is most helpful it is but i think yeah. one of the yeah, challenges I mean, we have in our community though is that when 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 we do listen to the other side and we entertain it, that it becomes weaponized against the black community too. So I have to acknowledge that, right? So I, I listen to a broad spectrum of things politically, um, agree with probably none of them, but I listen <laughs> to all of them, right? Um, because I think the truth is some, always somewhere in the middle. And, and, and what happens is as soon as you start saying something as triggering as 
um, just, just what you just described, right? Like we mm -hmm. need to, like George Floyd had a, a criminal background. One, that doesn't have anything to do with his life being taken. I fully acknowledge that. But if we're trying to look at the totality of the situation, right, you need other data points, but that becomes so triggering to us, especially if we're in a survival mindset and all we have to hold on to is, is just that one tool that Dr. Hubbard was talking about in the box. Correct. People aren't hearing anything else. And that's always my challenge to people is, I'm not saying you have to agree with it, you know, but, but, but wise people take counsel from a lot of different places and then they apply what they think is applicable. But when you get a lot of different data points of information, it makes it very difficult to stay stuck in one place. Absolutely. Yeah. We also have to look at the fact that, you know, we are very emotional people, right? Very, very emotional people. And that is used against us. It's used against us all the time. And at some point, we have to develop a level of resiliency and we have to transform that. We have to recognize that sometimes things happen uh, literally to trigger us so that we become very emotional and then we don't pay attention to the no look past that's going on in the background, right? Mm. And so one of the strategies that I give people to do all the time is whenever anything happens, and that's why I started in the beginning about, you know, that conversation about reaction versus response, mm -hmm. is to breathe and pause, and I challenge everyone to try this, to breathe and pause before you respond. Mm, and make never, sure it's ever, not a reaction, ever allow huh? anyone, right, and never <laughs> allow anyone to seduce you because it is a seduction to be seduced into a knee-jerk reaction. Amen. Right? Look, it, it's it, a seduction. And this is when I, I say- had, I, had to learn, I had to learn that with the barbershop. Man, look, I, <laughs> <laughs> we all do, T. <laughs> man, look, the <laughs> Charles, look at Charles. He's like, yeah, we, that is very true, especially in that barbershop. But the, um, one of the things, um, one of the things that I just want to want to say is, Doc, I, I can't I, I appreciate you so much for coming on the show. And, I, and I, I look up at the time and I realize that, oh, my gosh, we're, we're we're we have these conversations and they fly by. I definitely want to invite you back to the show, because, like I said, I want to do a series of shows for um, our 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 listeners, because I want to get to the bottom of that's my quest. I'm committed to that quest, guys. Uh, I, this, this got this has to be a bequest and not a conquest. I want to bequeath some information and we got to figure out what information it is that we we're going to have to um, that, that we can turn into a legacy. So, Doc, be, before I start to pull out of the front line <laughs> for the day, because we go an hour longer, hour strong. I had a conversation. Uh, part of my conversation with you was three to five takeaways that you wanted our listeners to um <clears throat> To, to take away from the show today. And then I also wanted you to, um, again, I gave you an introduction, but that's not even near the things that you do. And I want you to ex um, express with our, our, our listeners the things that you do and how we, how we can get in contact with you and just overall ending comments for yourself. Good Lord. Okay. Uh, I'll try to do that quickly. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't rush. Don't rush. Don't rush. Please don't rush. Okay, no rush you out. Okay, well, I think what what I want to say to the listeners very briefly about my background is that I was in the corporate world for a very long time. I had a uh, incurable respiratory illness for 27 years that was killing me, and I um, 
discovered holistic health and healed my body in, in three months after 27 years of doctors, disease, and drugs. And that is what shifted my consciousness and forced me to think out of the box because before that time, I did everything the way you know conventional people would do things, right? right? And so now I question everything because it caused me to question everything. And so that's the reason why I'm asking your audience, anyone within the sound of my voice to question, right? To question. And so what I'd like to leave with you is regardless of what's happening out there, the most important thing you can do is root and ground yourself Right. Because, again, when you are rooted and grounded in the truest part of yourself, you are unstoppable. No one can throw you off your game. You've got to get there. Right. And you'll know if someone says something to you and you're like, ah, and your day's destroyed, you're off your center. Right. Right. right? So it's very, very important to have that foundation. So a couple of things I want to leave with you is a morning practice. When you get up in the morning, before you reach for your phone, before you check text messages, the news, before you check in even with loved ones, you first check in with yourself. And a very, very easy, quick way to do that is to literally put your hand over your heart and take a few breaths and just try to, try to feel or hear the sound of your heartbeat. That's it. Real quick, you can do that in about two minutes, right? Hear your own heartbeat, check in with your own self, and then set your intention for the day. Never, ever, ever go to an outside source before you start your day, right? Mm-hmm. Always check in with yourself first, right? That's very important. The yeah, other, um, I, for a lot of people. Well, <laughs> no, maybe it is, but you know, it, whose life are you living? Yours or somebody else's? I was about right? to pick on my so wife. Say, Zenda, life, Zenda, do you hear yeah, that? Come on. <laughs> you got to check yeah, in hey, with yourself first. I'm just first. saying. Not check your phone. Check in with yourself. Not your phone. Right? It's, it's very, very It'll change your mental health for the rest of your life. Um, So, and then again, breathe and pause before you speak and before you act. And before you do something, ask yourself, what am I about to do and why am I about to do it? What am I about to say and why am I about to say it, right? Hmm. You know, just take a moment. You may not always make the right choice, but I guarantee you it'll be better than whatever you did before, right? Before, uh, you know, if if you just, you know, reacted. And so every day I invite people to ask four questions, right? And the questions are, because they're going to change and they ought to change. If they don't change, there's a problem, right? The questions are, who am I? Am I really who I am? Am I all I ought to be? And who's asking the question? Hmm. Right? Who am I? Am I really who who am I? Am I really who I am? Am I all I ought to be? And who's asking, asking the, the question? question? Who's asking the question? That, that, who's asking the question? Asking some the of the question. thoughts in your head are not yours, right? You got to get clear about your thoughts versus stuff that you've heard over the years, right? You got to get all that mental trash out of your head. And then just remember that we have we come from a rich history and and culture and for every year and i challenge people for every year and this is something i need to do myself because i grew up very ignorant right for every year that you've studied european history study african history caribbean history haitian history just study the haitian experience just studying haitians and cubans it's like oh my goodness right so for every year that we've had to study european history at least two years 
for other histories, including our own, right? So we can have a better understanding of who we all are and where we come from. And then the last two points are, allow your eyes to be windows and not projectors, right? Allow your eyes to be windows and not projectors. And what I mean by that is when you look out a window, you just see what's there, right? But if I say something to you and you get really upset, are you reacting to what I said or did what I say trigger some trauma from your past, mm. right? I was going to say, we got to lean right? into that. So, you got to come back. We, we got to get yeah. you back on the show well, so, so we, we can lean into some of this stuff. We talk about that another time. Yeah, that's we, a deep one. The health yes. and the and wellness the show, you back. Thing, <laughs> yes, yes. And then the final thing, and we didn't even get a chance to touch on it, but I'll just, I'll just drop it real quick. Um, and that's another reason why I think it's so hard for us to um, you know, to allow us to be diverse within ourselves. Um, and I'll just put it this way. A rose does not waste any time trying to be an orchid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Man. <laughs> she just hit us. Frontline listeners, y'all, I, I hope y'all stayed around to, to hear Dr. Hibbert's takeaways. Um, Dr. Hubbard, please also um, provide the listeners right. your 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 contact information. I also have down there that yes. um, Radiant Health is is has a a manual that she's given 20% off to your yes. online listeners. Man, look, y'all better go get it while you can. 20% off for just y'all. Yes, that's true. That's true. So um, I have a manual that I call uh, Get Radiant, right? Um, achieving Radiant Health in the Real World. And it's, you know, people... I can't do consultations with everyone, but everybody wants a consultation with me. So I took the consultation and put it into a self-study manual so that you could go through. It It covers so many things, you know, how to deal with your dark side and all of that stuff, a bunch of emotional stuff, but then also how do you improve immunity and, and create a healthier life for yourself? Mind, body, emotions, and spirits, a 77-page manual. Um, and if you put in, you can, first of all, you can get the manual by going to bit.ly right slash shoot i wrote my stuff down and forgot it <laughs> it's that you know what you don't have to worry uh, about it you don't have to worry it's, it's, you know, it's scrolling it at out. the bottom it's yeah i'll send it out and it's also scrolling at the bottom of the send screen. it out to everybody oh oh good you got it right there that's right that's slash get radiant and so um you can you can reach me um on my website at phyllishubbard.com and then bit.ly slash phyllis youtube i just started a brand new youtube channel with a whole bunch of videos um and all of them are just different ways to actively engage in your own self-care so please subscribe and check that out you can also find me on facebook and instagram at phyllis hubbard on twitter at get radiant so i love 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 sharing with you all sending love to both of you and the entire audience and thank you for having me dr hubbard i thank you for sharing today and i'm serious i gotta have you back on the show so we can really lean into some of these comments and some of these statements and it's definitely been been a pleasure i mean the people out there are they they definitely like what's going on uh, with you, Jaron is Jaron. Look, I love the fact that Jaron's one of my he's one of my favorite listeners. He calls in, he engages, and I want you guys to be more engaged. But Dr. Hubbard, I really appreciate you coming on the show today, and I, I'm sure we'll Thank talk you. soon. Thank you. Okay, sounds good. Thank you.
Man, T. Man, that was great, bro. That, that was, was great. great. The <laughs> dude, it, it's so much. It's so many people out there that you guys could benefit from some of the things Dr. Hubbard has talked about today. So that get radiant down there at the bottom of the screen. Definitely go out there and and check her manual. I didn't I didn't do her complete justice on the things that she absolutely does. So I'm definitely going to have her back on the front line um, to talk about some of the um, holistic healings that she that she gets into so you guys can hear more from Dr. Hubbard. Um, T, I, 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 I had an emotional, I don't know what to say, reaction or response anymore. <laughs> but <laughs> based off of my, based off of my emotional reaction or response, I feel like instead of, um, in, instead of me closing out today, I feel like you should be the guy that closes out today. How you feeling right, about that? Hold it down. I do want hey, you to man. hold it down. I'm always up for the challenge, you know? Let's try it out. Yeah, I, yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for holding this space because it's important for members of the Native Black American community to, to have a place where they can actually talk about what they're thinking and, you know, as they're developing or as we are developing our emotional intelligence, just really tap into that too. But what really stood out from our conversation today, man, was it's we have we have two conversations, right? We have the external conversation around systemic racism, uh, around white supremacy, and those things that we have to deal with collectively. But I think if we really dig deep into what we were talking about today, it was it was around how do we heal? And before we can start to heal as a community, we have to start to turn some of this internal, without negating what's happening outside of our community. But doing both at the same time. We have to learn how to fly that plane and change the wings at the exact same time because that's where we will truly be collectively empowered and create a better place, planet, nation for, for everyone because ultimately we have to remember, man, we can't stop seeing the humanity in other people, but we can't see the other humanity in other people until we start to develop the humanity in ourselves. So that's always kind of been my mantra it's part of our, our fraternity motto, culture for service, service for humanity, right? And I always wanted to show up as somebody who was constantly culturing himself so that I could show up better for other people. So I just challenge people who are listening, find your way to do that. It could be anything. It could be trauma or, or things that have happened within your community. It could be things that are happening professionally. It could just be that feeling of, you know what? I just, that's what happened to me. I got to a point about 15 years ago where it was like, listen, I'm tired of being angry. I don't care whose fault it is. I don't care where it comes from. I don't want to feel like this anymore. And that helped propel me to move into a different place. So I challenge the listeners to do that and to uh, come back, listen, because you always bring back wonderful guests and have great conversations on the front line. So thank everybody for listening and uh, challenge yourself. Expand. That's it. And with that being said, you can now back up off <laughs> the front line. <laughs> Thank you guys that for was listening. Soft and somber front line.